We have got a very special mailbag edition of Locked on New York Rangers for you guys here today. Basically just going to peruse the YouTube comment section and take a look at uh, some questions, some concerns uh, from you guys, your uh, thoughts on the New York Rangers. And I'm basically just going to read them, respond to them, and uh, we'll just have some fun here. Just a very interactive episode of Locked on New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 763 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And uh, as I mentioned, yeah, just a very special uh, mailbag edition here. Sort of a mailbag edition. It's the YouTube comment section. But regardless, we're just going to take a look at a couple of uh, comments that you guys made from recent episodes. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can now see uh, I'm in the bottom left corner there and uh, taking up most of the screen is the aforementioned YouTube comment section. Just want to read a couple of comments from you guys and react to them. Uh, These comments coming from uh, mostly recent episodes of Locked on New York Rangers. So, We start with a uh, comment from DJ here. This one comes to us uh, not 24 hours ago. Uh, This is what he had to say. This is our crossover with the guys, uh, Joe and Stevie, from the Broadway Block podcast. Had a blast recording with those guys and just talking some Ranger hockey. But this is what DJ had to say uh, for part two of that conversation with Broadway Block. Uh, This was a great podcast. All three of you were on the money, except our opinion of Heedle is quite different. I wanted to see one of the kids emerge, and Heedle is scoring goals at a nice clip, but he is terrible on faceoffs, and there is no way to dismiss that glaring fault. If I am coaching, I am not putting him out there, taking a draw in critical times of games or in our own end at crunch time when we need to win draws for puck possession, but moving him to right wing nullifies any of the negatives to his present game and lets any pressure winning draws disappear. It may be that his shot, while not the rocket of Vetrano, is strong enough to fill a hole of the first line right wing spot. Despite Trocek hitting a bleep load of posts, uh, he has outplayed what we would have gotten from Kopp or Strom. When the grind of the playoffs begin, the value of Trocek's style of play will become clear to any doubters that remain. Yeah, so we'll start with the Heedle portion of this uh, this comment here from DJ, and thanks for the comment, DJ. Yeah, with Heedle, I mean, I've always been open to the idea of moving him back to the right wing. The Rangers don't really seem to be uh, on the same page with me. I mean, they haven't consulted me or anything like that, if you can believe that. But yeah, no, uh, the, the Rangers seem pretty committed and pretty steadfast to leaving Philip Heedle at center. And part of the reason, I mean, in addition to everything that DJ just said here, once again, we've talked about this before, the Rangers... Biggest weakness on this team right now is clearly right wing. I I don't even know how you can make a case for any other position, quite frankly. Um, And that being the case, to me, it should at least crack the door to Hedl moving to the right wing and and maybe playing on that top line or some kind of a top six role. Of course, that would also entail breaking up the kid line, but the kid line doesn't have to be together forever. Um, So, yeah, man, bottom line, to make a long story short, I am much more open to the idea of Hedl moving back to right wing than the New York Rangers seem to be. 
Uh, and also, if he does that, that could also open the door for the Rangers to acquire like a third-line center at the trade deadline. They could probably do that uh, for a lesser price than, say, like Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko or whoever it might be, if the Rangers choose to go down that road. Uh, but the way things stand, it seems like he's going to stay at center. And the Rangers will be in the market for a pretty significant right winger, you would think, at the uh, trade deadline. And then the other thing that you mentioned here, um, Trocek, yeah, no, I, I still like Trocek. I, I know that he's a little bit polarizing as a Ranger right now. But yeah, I mean, he's hit so many poses this year as double digits. If even half of those had gone in, his stats would look quite a bit different. Uh, I do like, you know, the fact that he plays with a little bit of an edge. Uh, Swiss Army Knife, you know, one of those guys that does a little bit of everything to help you win. And we've talked about comparing him to Kopp and Strom before. Um, basically, this past offseason, it was going to be one of the three. You couldn't have all three of them. You couldn't even have two out of the three of them. They had to make their decision. They let Kopp and Strom walk. They signed Trocek. They went with the unknown. And it seems to be um, a good decision thus far because, you know, at least going by stats, he has certainly outplayed uh, each of Kopp and Strom this season. I do think uh, of the three of them, his, his game is probably the best suited uh, for the playoffs. We've also got Rob, NYR. 100% agree, Kravtsov is not working out. He looks lost too much of the time and was way over and way overpowered by opponents. Yeah, Kravtsov, I mean, the thing here is I'm not completely willing to give up on him. I mean, I, I don't think that, like, you can look at what he's done. He's played less than a full season of NHL games. Um, but there are some Ranger fans and uh, some Gerard Gallant naysayers that— uh, try to claim that Kravtsov hasn't been given an opportunity, hasn't been given a chance. Kravtsov, when he's been in the lineup, and yes, I understand he's been a healthy scratch at times this season. He's also missed some time due to injury. Uh, couldn't catch a break regarding injuries early in the season. But when Kravtsov is in this lineup, he spent a good amount of it on the Panarin line. If that's not getting an opportunity, I'm not sure what is. I mean, do you want to put him on the top power play unit and, and replace Chris Kreider? I, I don't think you want to do that. So, and he's made a couple of appearances on the second power play unit. I realize they don't get a ton of time, but Krausoff has had some chances. The idea that they've given him nothing to work with and no opportunities whatsoever, I don't agree with that. Uh, we'll see how things shake out. But of all the Rangers currently on the NHL roster right now, which one is most likely to be dealt away at the deadline? I would say it probably is Krausoff. Uh, We've got Scott here. Scott says, Kane for Kravtsov, that's Patrick Kane, of course, and a first-round pick only. Kravtsov is terrible defensively, given 20 games to prove himself, and he is not, has not lived up to expectations. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would get it done for Patrick Kane. I realize Kane's numbers are down, and, you know, again, polarizing non-Ranger among Ranger fans is Patrick Kane because, you know, his number, he hasn't had a great season, and there's people that think that, you know, they don't want to break the bank to just bring him over as a rental, which is what he would be. I don't think the Rangers could possibly uh, even entertain the idea of re-signing him after this season. Um, but I will say with Kane, with his numbers being down, I think it does represent a little bit of a buy-low opportunity, whether you're the Rangers or anyone else who's interested. And I still get the feeling that he's going to be a highly sought-after player uh, when it comes to the trade deadline this year. Of course, he has a full no-move clause, so he kind of controls his own destiny, so to speak. Um as far as the return package, I think the Blackhawks, if the Rangers offered Kravtsov and a first-round pick uh, for Kane, I, I don't think they would do that. I think they'd be able to probably get something better for that. Um, you know, if Kravtsov maybe could be part of the package, I mean, that works. Maybe Kravtsov, a first-round, and another first-rounder, maybe? I mean, is that too much? It's so hard to gauge these things. I mean, do you go by Kane's total body of work? Do you go by what he's doing this year? How does the fact that 
um, you know, the Rangers won't be able to re-sign him. How does that affect everything? He'd only be a rental. I mean, there's so many factors to weigh here. What kind of uh, other offers will the Blackhawks get uh, for Patrick Kane? Which teams would Patrick Kane be willing to approve a deal to? But I think you're looking at a situation where probably some combination— Three total either prospects or draft picks. So maybe two draft picks and a prospect and two pretty high draft picks. Two prospects and one draft pick. I think maybe that could get it done. Of course, Kane, once again, uh, in total control because he's got that full no move. But yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where Patrick Kane ends up going. Maybe he even stays with the Blackhawks. You never know for sure. Uh, But you would imagine a rebuilding team with Patrick Kane now being 34 years old would probably look to move him uh, at or near the deadline this season. I wanted to also mention a couple of other comments here. Uh, We've got a comment from Eddie Edwards. Uh, He's talking about Artemi Panarin here. If the bread man doesn't show up for the playoffs, it's time to move him. Better not empty the bank for the playoffs because I don't see them going anywhere. Trade Blay already. He sucks. And then I also want to mention a response here from Chris Gavilis. Agree, and that's why we shouldn't trade for Kane or Tarasenko because we should not plan on keeping Panarin for much longer as he's only getting older and regressing. He will be great for a deep playoff contender, but unfortunately, that ain't us. Okay, so first of all, um, Artemi Panarin has a full new move clause. So if he doesn't want to be traded, he's not going to be traded. It's pretty much as simple as that. Secondly, I think sometimes... People tend to fixate on Artemi Panarin having a bit of a rough showing in the postseason last year. And, you know, there's this idea that, man, we should trade Panarin to, you know, clear up some cap space. Artemi Panarin is still comfortably, I think at least, a top 10 player in this league. If the Rangers trade him, how do you replace that kind of production? I mean, yeah, I I know that the Rangers have these young kids that we're all excited about. We got the kid line. We've got, you know, Will Cooley. He's played two games, got sent down to the AHL, but he'll eventually be back. Uh, Brian often people are high on him, but man, Artemi Panarin, that kind of production, that kind of offense, that does not grow on trees. This guy is a absolute superstar in this league, and I don't think the Rangers could or would uh, really entertain any thoughts of, of trading him away, even if you put the no-move clause to the side. As far as trading Blay, look, that's probably not going to happen either. Probably the more likely scenario is that he gets placed on waivers. Um, if he clears, he could get sent down to the Wolfpack. Of course, he's with the Wolfpack right now on a conditioning assignment. Uh, to make room for Will Cooley. We'll see if Sammy Blay gets another chance for the Rangers uh, at some point. Feel for Blay, man, because he got taken out on a dirty play by P.K. Subban and, uh, you know, was kind of a marginal NHL talent probably even before that. And it just looks like he's really, um, you know, regressed since, since that injury. And understandably so. The guy's knee basically exploded. He tore everything he could possibly tear. So really unfortunate. Um, yeah, and as far as uh, the, the comment from Chris here, I mean, Panarin's only 31 years old. Let's not make it out like this guy is uh, an aging, rapidly declining player. He had one of his best seasons ever last year. I want to say 95 points, which might have been good for uh, a career high. I think he tied his previous career high. Um, And and this year, you know, having another fantastic season. He's an all-star, and uh, the Rangers are going to need him to step up in the playoffs. I do agree that, listen, I mean, Panarin's got to bring it in the playoffs this season because— Last year, yeah, he had 16 points in 20 games, had the Game 7 overtime winner against the Penguins, um, but way too many turnovers, too many games where it felt like he was kind of a non-factor. So he does need to be better this season. But I will say, uh, and I've mentioned this in the past, the fact that he can get you 16 points in 20 games when he's playing probably the worst hockey we've ever seen him play as a member of the New York Rangers, that's pretty impressive. That's his low point. That's his floor. So uh, I'm 
anxious to see what Panarin can do in the playoffs this year as he uh, hopefully uh, redeems himself for, you know, again, the points were there, but it was still something of a uh, lackluster showing for him in the postseason last year. So we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. want to continue getting into all these comments that you guys were nice enough to leave on the YouTube videos here. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid all your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, I figure uh, we might as well go ahead and just keep everything rolling here. Just move along to the next uh, YouTube comment section here for Locked On New York Rangers. And uh, this comes to us from Scott. Once the Rangers obtain Patrick Kane, the team becomes very serious. Julian Gauthier goes to the first line. Jimmy Vesey and Barclay Goodrow go to the fourth line. A solid lineup up and down. Yeah, if the Rangers do enough at the deadline where you can put Jimmy Vesey and Barclay Goodrow on the fourth line and kind of just leave them there. I mean, look, they're both capable, I think, of, of being more than fourth line players. But I think in a perfect world, if you're in a spot where you can have uh, two players of that caliber, not that they're superstars, but they're good, solid players who know what their role is, uh, tough to play against, and that's what you want from your fourth line. If you can have those guys as staples of the fourth line and not have to, you know, force them into a top six role, then I think that's certainly a positive uh, thing. Julian Gauthier in the first line is not something that I had really considered, but it is at least somewhat intriguing. Uh, Gauthier this year does not get a ton of ice time. His points in terms of time on the ice is, is very good, as is his uh, ability to draw penalties. So it is intriguing to see what he could do on the first line. Um, I assume that uh, if Scott gets his wish here and the Rangers get Kane, he would want Kane on the second line with Panarin and Trocek. So you would have Gauthier then uh, with uh, Mika and Kreider. That would be your top line. And then I assume uh, the kid line would remain intact, I mean, by process of elimination here. So, yeah, I mean, that'd be a heck of a lineup. And, and all you'd have to do to make that happen is acquire Patrick Kane and give Gautier uh, his shot on the top line. I'm not sure if the Rangers will do that. They have been very hesitant. Uh, you can count on one hand the amount of time they've put him uh, on the first line, or the, the top six, rather, in the last couple of seasons here. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, Gautier, I think he is somebody that maybe deserves a little bit more of a chance. But then, you know, we, we've talked about how much they— uh, they shuffle the deck, and they, they change their lines, and, and I think, for the most part, uh, most of us would like the Rangers to stick with a, a lineup. Putting Gautier on the top line, obviously, that's doing something pretty radically different, but it might be something that's at least worth a look at some point. I mean, they change lines every game anyway, so uh, why not? All right, so this is uh, after the Rangers uh, lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs in overtime. Had a couple of comments here. Uh, who do we want to start with here? Let's start with, I mean... <laughs> 
the, the name of this YouTube user is just fantastic. We just need to marvel at this before we get to the Ranger stuff. This user's name is Spider Crushing Hippo Gamecat. Spider Crushing Hippo Gamecat. Okay, so I love how Harper not only jumps in during these scrums with force and always has a smile while he does it, gives off Revo vibes, but not quite the same injury, but close, I'll take it. And then uh, David Roth here kind of backs up what Mr. Spider or Mrs. Mr. or Mrs. Spider Crushing Hippo Game Cat had to say. Uh, great observation on Harper. I noticed the same thing and thought he could be a good replacement for Revo. Also remember when he gave the hat to Laffy, he's a keeper. And yeah, David there is talking about, uh, so Ben Harper had the Broadway hat and the game after Lafreniere was a healthy scratch. He was back in there and uh, Harper, you know, basically gave him the, the game the, the Broadway hat and Lafreniere's first game back. And uh, it was kind of a nice moment. There's a video going around on social media from the uh, Rangers, um, you know, their, their Twitter account there. Uh, yeah. You know, Reva or uh, yeah, Revo Reva, uh, Harper seems like he is a pretty good teammate. I talked about this in the past, always sticks his nose in there. And I agree, you know, with, with spider crushing hippo game cat, as well as David Roth here, he does kind of give off, uh, you know, some Ryan Reeves vibes. He's not quite as over the top and doesn't have, seemingly as big of a personality as Ryan Reeves does. I mean, few hockey players do. Uh, Reeves is kind of, uh, you know, a class of his own in that department. And I do miss Ryan Reeves. But Ben Harper does bring some of that stuff to the table. And I think there's going to be a situation this year. Sooner or later, he's going to be standing up for a teammate, and he's going to fight somebody on the opposite team. And uh, we'll, we'll see when that happens. Could be the next game for all we know. But, yeah, Ben Harper has done a nice job, and the price is right. He's just a smidge over the uh, league minimum for the next two years. You need some low-cost players to fill out your roster. So, you know, I said at the time, I'll say it again, I really do like the uh, the Harper uh, re-signing. All right, so let's keep everything moving along once again here. A couple of comments here. This one comes to us from Easy Dups. He says, man, Gallant has to, has to keep the Trocheck Goody, VZ line together. They look great. Yeah, this was, uh, he's making this comment after the Rangers, uh, I forget who they were playing, but they had some new look line combinations and that was the Ranger second line or third line, depending on how you look at it. Um, it was either them or the kid line. You know, those two lines were second and third in one order or the other. Um, you know, when he first put those three together, I wasn't really feeling it because, you know, I feel like there's there's just too much redundancy there. Those are all good defensive forwards, gritty players, sure. Um, but I almost like the idea of, you know, putting one gritty player with a skill player and, you know, putting a facil facilitator, excuse me, with a sniper. So that line combination was a, a little odd. Um, but they put them together, and, and they had a dirty goal in that game and overall played very well together. So I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of them. Uh, as far as this comment here, Gallant did not keep that that trio together. I think they were broken up for the very next game after that. But that's just kind of par for the course here. Um, and then I got to give another shout-out here to Spider Crushing Hippo Gamecap because uh, he made a comment or she made a comment here on this video uh, holy cow, they played the second power play unit first in the game against Florida. John, they proved you wrong. LOL. Yes, yeah, so that was when I was doing my uh, second half predictions, and I mentioned the fact that I thought that the Rangers might go the entire rest of the season not making a single uh, personnel change in the top power play unit, you know, of course, barring an injury. We saw Lafreniere play with the top unit, uh, but that was when uh, Kreider was injured. Uh, it's been the same five players all year, and they have started pretty much every single power play. That uh, power play that he's talking about here, the Spider Crushing Hippo Gamecat is talking about here, um, that was in the game against Florida, 
and it was after it immediately followed a really long shift for the Mika, Kreider, and Panarin line. So they were gassed. I think Fox was out there too. So in that case, they had no choice. They had to start the second unit uh, for the power play. There was a play stoppage after 30 seconds. They pulled the second unit off the ice. The first unit is right back out there. So they did prove me wrong, though. I mean, hey, facts are facts, and, and fair is fair. Uh, they did actually start the second power play unit um, for a power play. Uh, hasn't happened since then, but there's only been a handful of games since then. We'll see if they end up doing it uh, at some point later this season. Got to keep everything uh, rolling right along here, but first... We just got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I use Athletic Greens literally every day, and I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now I've been on it for about eight or nine months, and I love it. Doesn't taste like it's super healthy. Has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, and everything else, all the things, your recovery, energy, focus, and aging. It is lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we're gonna keep everything rolling here. Talk about uh, the next uh, YouTube comments section here. And this one comes to us from Robbie Neal Zucker. Uh, I thought the Rangers chased Florida. He, he's talking about, by the way, the game that the Rangers uh, beat the Panthers 6-2. to uh, Some context is definitely needed for this one. But anyway, this is what Robbie Neal Zucker had to say. I thought the Rangers chased Florida for two periods, acquiring like eight shots on goal halfway through the game, allowed too many odd man rushes. It was sloppy in their own end to our terrible at their own blue line, allowing the Panthers to skate in and set up especially shots and a slide area. Yeah, I mean, I might have overstated the Rangers' performance in that game against the Panthers. We did a special uh, post-game crossover episode with uh, Armando Velez of Locked On Florida Panthers. Armando does an awesome job uh, with his show as well. Um, but the thing that I liked about that game is, in spite of everything that you just said there, Robbie, the Rangers won the game by four goals. And when you had a team in the Rangers the early this season just kept finding ways to lose. I mean, every way the Rangers could find a way to lose a game— they would lose a game, lose in the shootout, lose in overtime, uh, lose when having a multi-goal lead, lose when leading in the third period, lose because of a bad penalty. Everything you could possibly come up with, the Rangers uh, lost a game in that fashion one way or another. The fact that the Rangers, like you said, 
didn't play so great for the first half of this game, maybe even the first full two periods. Uh, certainly the shots on goal were very much lacking, but they still found, found a way to get it done thanks to some good goaltending and thanks to, uh, you know, some pretty good defensive play as well. Although there were a few odd man rushes in that game, if I'm remembering correctly, but you know, they tightened it up down the stretch and, uh, like I said, they found a way. I'd much rather the Rangers be in a spot where they're not playing their best, but they're finding a way to win rather than just finding ways to lose just over and over and over again because that's what we saw at the start of the regular season. But yeah, they got it done, and ultimately they won the game by four goals. And uh, I believe that was one of the games. I mean, they're almost blending together at this point. That was one of the games where Igor Shesterkin uh, almost got an empty net goal. So that would have been the cherry on the cake for that one. All right, I want to keep everything moving along here. This one comes to us from RJ Frost, and uh, I love his first sentence here. Galan is a horse's backside when it comes to line combinations. I was enthusiastic when he first came, but this year my feeling is he doesn't have any concept of what he is doing, just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping something sticks. The thing is that he doesn't give anything a chance to come together before he tears it up. And then we've also got uh, a response here from DJ. I have zero issue with him trying different combinations over the course of a season, but I don't care for the lack of time he allows that experiment to work. One thing I have to assume is that while we don't know what goes on in the locker room behind closed doors, I have to assume if these constant line changes were annoying jury, were annoying jury that he would confront and question Gallant on this issue and we would see them cease. The fact that we haven't seen that speaks volumes to me. Yeah, so RJ, DJ, um, I, I do agree that there are times, and, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, where, you know, Galan doesn't give things enough time to gel. And I don't feel like he did this as often last season. There were times where, you know, he would juggle the lineup and shuffle the line combinations a little bit, but they're all, they're always used to be, or there seemed to be at least, you know, when he would do his, his line adjustments, okay, here's why they're doing this. They want to move this guy up because he's played well recently, and that top line could use a sniper, or we're dropping this guy down because we need a kid line reunion. You know, whatever it might be, whatever the reason might be, it always seemed like there was, you know, something there. Now, the lines are just kind of thrown together, and it's gotten to the point where I'm almost in John Tortorella territory, and I've mentioned this before too. When he was the Rainier coach, I never even bothered to learn what the line combinations were because they'd all be radically different by, like, the second shift of the game. So, it's kind of getting that way uh, with uh, with Gallant as well, and I, I do wish that he would give things a little bit more time to gel. Just pick a, a combination and uh, go with it. And DJ, you know, as far as jury, I don't know that the jury would confront Gallant. I'm sure the two of them talk, and I get the feeling that you know, jury certainly has a voice in that room. Um, so so maybe you know. There is a little bit of a collaborative effort there. I've always gotten the feeling, though, that uh, Gallant and his coaching staff, they're the ones that uh, that come up with the line combinations. And I'm sure Jury will uh, give his input from time to time. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that usually comes down to a coaching decision. I'd be very curious to know, um, you know, how much Gallant and Jury talk to each other about these things. You know, with the deadline coming up, will Jury get Gallant's, you know, opinion on certain players? You know, Gallant coached, uh, I believe he coached Frank Vetrano in the past. So did Drury go to Gallant and talk to him? And, you know, what's this kid all about? Is he somebody that would fit on this team? Do you like him? Do you not like him? I'd be very curious to know, uh, you know, what exactly goes on. Oh, to be a fly on the wall, you know, in, in the Ranger war room during draft night or just during trade deadline day or whatever it might be. But yeah, a lot of those things, uh, unfortunately, are probably going to stay uh, behind closed doors. All right, let's keep everything moving right along here. This is the episode where we were recapping the recent 3-1 loss to the Boston Bruins 
or was it 4-1 that they get an empty netter? Bottom line, the Rangers lost to the Bruins. Um, and there was a situation, I think it was 3-1. There was a situation late in this game. Rangers down by two goals, and they pulled their goalie. And I talked about this at the time. The Rangers made 16 consecutive passes and never shot the puck. Down by two goals with your goalie pulled. And uh, Dan C. wrote, yep, I did yell, try shooting the puck a ways into that pass sequence. And yeah, Dan, I feel you, man. It's funny because I feel like almost, I don't know if you guys ever get this either, but the more that you yell at your TV or if you're there in person, the more that you yell to shoot the puck, the longer it seems to go without anybody shooting the puck. I don't know if anybody else has picked up on that. It's probably just in my head. It's probably just a coincidence, but I have definitely uh, kind of felt that at times. And uh, yeah, that passing sequence there for, for sure definitely stands out. We got another comment from Spider Crushing Hippo Gamecat. I mean, how can I even just resist the 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 idea of saying that name there? But uh, this is me talking about the Bruins. We were previewing the Bruins episode, and this is what uh, the comment was. I love the shade thrown at the rat, and yeah, the perfection line is the most cringeworthy nickname in sports. And yeah, I will once again put it to you guys, because when we were previewing that episode, I was talking about uh, the perfection line for the Bruins and how I, I think that's the most like nauseating nickname that I've ever heard in my life as far as sports are concerned. So I'll put it to you guys once again. If you can come up with a worse sports nickname that you want to throw out there that is worse or just more cringe or more nauseating, use whatever word you want to use. But if you can come up with a worse one than the perfection line, I would love to hear it because that is, whew, that is just absolutely brutal. All right, let's keep everything moving right along here. Uh, we're going to go to... Matt Makuta here, Matt says, I don't think there is a single player they could realistically get that would put them over the top or make them a better team than they were post-deadline last year. Very rarely do teams win anything when trading for a big rental as well. Yeah, so he Matt's talking about the trade deadline last year, and I think his, his feeling here is that whatever the Rangers do at the deadline this year, there's no way that they can be a better team than they were last year. I don't know—I get the idea. Uh, it's going to be tough to, to pull that off for sure. But if you can trade for, you know, a big-time right winger, maybe a depth forward as well, maybe another defenseman, although I, I don't know where you would put that defenseman unless he unseats Ben Harper as the sixth defenseman— um, I still think there's a way that this Ranger team could be better post-deadline this season than they were post-deadline last season. If they do all those things, and if we see uh, Philip Heedle continue to grow the way he's been growing this season, you know, Kako, the, the points aren't there, but he does look like a better player than he has in other seasons. If Lafreniere can get it together a little bit, you know, pretty much all the usual suspects, all the young players on the New York Rangers, then I think there's a chance that this will be a better team post-deadline this year uh, than they were last year. Only time's going to tell there. Um, as far as... Uh, you know, the idea that very rarely do teams win anything when they trade for a big rental. And uh, we got a reply from DJ here that touches on this as well. As far as that being the case, yeah, that's because there's 32 teams in the league and only one of them can win the Stanley Cup. So when you've got, you know, multiple contenders going out there and trying to acquire some of the big names available, you know, this year, certainly uh, Timo Meyer comes to mind, Patrick Kane. We already saw uh, Bo Horvat get traded over to the Islanders. There'll be some other players as well. Uh, Gustav Nyquist, maybe Jacob Trickwin gets dealt. There's a lot of them out there, but bottom line, yeah, only one of those teams that acquires one or more of these players can possibly win the Stanley Cup this season. I, I still think it's a good thing to do. I, I still think you owe it to yourself to 
go for it. If, if you've got a chance to win a Stanley Cup and you really like your team and there's one or two players that can put you over the top, hey, look at the Rangers in 1994. I mean, they were they were wheeling and dealing left and right going into the trade deadline that season. A couple of guys came over. They were just rentals. Uh, Craig McTavish was only there for half a season. Glenn Anderson was only there for half a season. I want to say that Steve Larmer and Stefan Matteau both stuck around, st- stuck around, excuse me, for like another season after 1994. But all four of those players I just mentioned were players that the Rangers acquired in season and in some cases right near the deadline, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup. So if you have a chance, I'm not saying, you know, reinvent the wheel and trade Lafreniere and Kako and Hedo, you know, for all these uh, rentals. I wouldn't do that either. But if you have a chance to bring in a rental or two or three, as the Rangers did last year, in fact, last year it was four rentals, uh, I think you owe it to yourself to do it. Um, you know, provide that the price is right to, to make your team better and to give yourself every chance you possibly can to win a Stanley Cup. Rangers were close last year. Eastern Conference Final uh, ran into a buzzsaw in the Lightning. The Lightning, when they won that playoff series against the Rangers, that was 11 straight playoff series wins for them. But the Rangers played them tough, went up 2 to nothing in the series. Every game was close. I, there might have been one game, I want to say like Game 4, the Lightning won it somewhat comfortably, but every game was tight, every game was close. So um, a couple of uh, savvy moves at the trade deadline can make the difference. Uh, and then I figured we could end on this. This was after the uh, incredible win against the Dallas Stars. Uh, that was when Keandre Miller uh, tied the game with less than a second remaining. And then uh, you had Adam Fox winning it in the overtime period. So I figured I'll just read a couple of comments from this one for you guys. Uh, Robert, I don't know how to pronounce this. Robert Forschner uh, says, what an absolute great game. I nearly had a heart attack, but was saved in overtime. Yeah, that was intense, man. I mean, you know, you get the the game time goal from Miller. The Rangers were working really hard on that shift, keeping the play alive. Miller ties it. Uh, you got the point. It's a nice consolation prize, even if you don't win in overtime. But let's be real here. When you tie a game with less than a second remaining in regulation, you want that win. You want those two points. You want that uh, exhilarating feeling of the Rangers winning in overtime. And we got it. And uh, that was awesome. Uh, Easy Dup said, man, what a game. I spent the, fi- the first 59-59 frustrated as hell, only for one second to change all that. It was tough, man. The Rangers couldn't really get a whole lot going against Dallas in that game. It was a stark contrast to their early earlier meeting, which was kind of high scoring. Both teams were very defensively responsible, played well uh, defensively, and you saw the results of that. It was looking like it was going to be a one nothing win for Dallas. Ends up being a 2-1 to overtime win for the Rangers. Just Me 77 says, Rangers were absolutely swarming in that overtime. Yeah, they really were. I mean, you could tell that late goal... Uh, kind of spurred them on in the overtime period, and uh, they ultimately got the win, so that was awesome. Uh, Christopher Thompson says, love, love, love Panarin's little kick celebration, signature win. Absolutely a signature win this season. Uh, we've got, should we do one more comment from Spider Crushing Hippo Game Cat? I swear I didn't plan this, but uh, this individual just keeps popping up here. Mika or Fox for the All-Star, Fox for the Norris, Miller for the most criminally underrated player in the league, and the All-Stars next year. Just when you think he can't outdo himself, he comes up with a crazy new highlight reel goal. Yeah, Miller's been awesome. After a really slow start to the season, just a complete 180. Uh, just Me 77 says, my neighbors heard me again for sure. Miller and Fox are so good. Wow. Should we do a couple others here? Let's see. Uh, I like this I like this comment from DJ here. Pittsburgh lost again tonight. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah, it breaks my heart anytime the Penguins lose a game. Uh, let's see. White GD says, Fox should have been the choice for All-Star to begin with. Been the best Ranger by far. Yeah, I think overall this season, Fox has been the best Ranger. The MVP of the team. Um, I feel like Igor Shesterkin making it might almost be something of a make good on him not making it uh, last season, which was an absolute crime 
I mean, he put up a season for the ages and somehow uh, was not an all-star. But Fox got in eventually anyway, so it's all good there. Um, let's see. I, I feel like we could pretty much call it there. Uh, let's see. One more from Thomas Capellini to, to send us home here. Key might be a star who gets better as the season goes on. Yeah, I think Ranger fans are all really feeling uh, very, very good about Keandre Miller and where he's going uh, in this league as he continues to get more and more experience and just becomes a better and better player uh, as the games go by here. But I figure we can call it there. Always fun doing this. Always love hearing from you guys. Keep the comments rolling in the YouTube comment section. Feel free to email me as well. Send me a DM on Twitter. Do whatever you got to do. Get in touch. And uh, we'll do a couple more of these mailbags uh, in the future. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is locked on nyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.